Wow, it's full in here. Merry Christmas. Yes, this is wonderful. Uh, welcome to all of you, whether you were here, what, three hours ago at a service, whether you haven't been here ever in your life, or you're just hopping in on Christmas, you are welcome here. We're so happy that you're here. Jesus was born and came for all of us, all of us in this room and everybody outside of this room too, which is really sweet news. So uh, my name's Cody. I'm the high school pastor here at McBick, but tonight I get to talk to the kiddos a little bit. So I need you to raise your hand real high if you are a kid between the ages of zero and fifth grade. Real high. St stand up even if you need to. You can stand up. Give me a big raise. I need to see who we are. Okay. All right. I have a question for all of us, all of us kiddos in the room, okay? And we're going to shout out the answer together on three, all right? The question is, what are you most excited for about Christmas? Oh, was that ham? <laughs> That's better than I could have imagined, okay. Um, all right, so on the count of three, shout it out nice and loud, okay? What you're most excited for. One, two, three. Fish? Someone's like, we don't have ham, we have fish. Sorry. I don't know what you do at your house. Okay, that's really good, kids. Now, I have another question, and instead of shouting it out this time, I'm going to invite three people up here. They're going to come into the rows with some microphones, and if you have an answer to this question that you'd like to share, just put your hand up really high, and Pastor Evan or Pastor Jen, Pastor Hirsch will be down to see you, and you can talk into the microphone, all right? So if you're really passionate about ham, per se, you could shout that into the microphone, okay? <laughs> This question might be a little bit harder, but, but you can do it. Maybe talk it over with your parents or whoever you're with. Okay, the question is, what is the thing you've waited the longest for? What's the thing you've waited the longest for? And how long did you wait for it? What's the thing you've waited the longest for? Okay, we're going to go to Pastor Jen first. Presents. Presents, and how long did you wait? All year. Yeah, all year. All year. That's good. Okay, back to Pastor Hirsch. Maria, what did you wait for? Jesus' birthday. And how long did you wait? A while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all did. Yes, okay. For Jesus to come back to earth. Well, and you're still waiting, right? <laughs> yes, we are waiting. Okay, some more. What's the longest you've waited for something? All right, Pastor Jen's got one. For Jesus' birthday also. Okay, good, Messiah. Thank you. Yes. All right, Pastor Evan, you got one? I think it's probably for, like, when the, when, you, like, the uh, heaven comes to earth. That's what we're waiting for. You are right. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. I'm, we're done. Right on. Everyone can go home. That's the message. Great job. Yes. All right, maybe a couple more. Yes, okay, Pastor Jen's got one. Um, I wait so long for baby Darcy to come. Yes, your baby sister. It took a while. About nine months, right? I meant <laughs> about, approximately. A little while because she was, she was really happy in there. But, okay, yeah. <laughs> to go see my family in Canada 
And I've waited the whole year. Oh, okay. Nice. Awesome. All right, let's do two more. We got two more? I got another one. Okay, I don't Pastor have many Jen. kids over on my side, so. <laughs> my mom's going to have a baby. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we all know that already. <laughs> okay. Pastor Evan, our last one. Janessa. For my nephew to come. Okay. How long did you wait, Janessa? A while. <laughs> a while. Good. Let's give it up for the kids in the room. Oh, man. That's, I have a lot of thoughts now. I was like, I'll just take in what they say, and then I'll decide what I'm going to say. But there's a lot from ham to heaven coming to earth. It's a big, a big gap here. Um, the reason we wanted to, to hear the kids a little bit is because there's a purity about just asking about waiting for things. Right? Some of us maybe have grown up and gotten a little jaded or we're a little more uh, uh, secluded. We don't want to share all of our thoughts. Kids will just share with you. And if you have not been with us uh, the past four weeks, which has been Advent, we've been walking through a series called In the Waiting. And the whole focus has been that we are waiting for Jesus. We were once waiting for Jesus to come at all, and now we are still waiting for heaven to come to earth, for Jesus to come back. We are people that live in the waiting. And way back when, with the Israelites, the Israelites were waiting for the Savior that was prophesied to them, but they had no idea when he was coming, how he was coming. And many of them would have, you know, died before they ever saw that come to fruition. And then Jesus came, and that is what we get to celebrate. Because as we grow up, you know, we're waiting for our baby sister, we're waiting for presents when we're younger. As we grow up, some of our waitings get maybe a little bit harder, okay? Waiting for some difficult things. Maybe there's something medically that we're hoping gets sorted out. Maybe somebody has walked away from faith or walked away from you and your family and you're waiting for them to come back too. Maybe you've lost a loved one and you're waiting for the time that you might get to see them again. Our waiting becomes difficult and, and hard and yet we get to celebrate that Jesus came not just to stop our waiting once, but to give us hope for any waiting that we're going to do in the future. So we are people that live in this already but not yet. Jesus already came and fulfilled that messianic promise, and yet we still wait for heaven to come to earth. I'm going to read a testimony with uh, all of you from someone that we love very dearly in this church. Her name is Sheila Anderson. And Sheila's unable to be with us tonight. Um, she has some medical issues that we'll uh, talk through in her testimony that keep her from being with us often. And that's difficult for her. And so in her testimony, she's going to share a little bit about what her season of waiting has felt like and how she finds hope in Jesus Christ in the midst of that waiting. So I want to say thank you if you're watching, Sheila, when you watch this. Thank you for writing your testimony and sharing with us today. This is from Sheila. Six and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with an incurable blood cancer. That day changed the trajectory of my life. In the six and a half years as I wait for healing, I've experienced many emotions. I try to stay positive and hopeful. Some days it's easier than others. The years of treatment with strong drugs to kill the cancer have taken a toll on me physically and emotionally. I long for relief of pain, restoration of energy, and my immune system so I can spend more time with family, friends, ministry, and things that I enjoy. 
The waiting continues, filled with many emotions like hope, fear, anger, sadness, grief, moments of peace, and questions. How long, Lord? Why? Many feelings come and go as I continue to wait for healing. I was reading the story of the angel visiting Mary, an experience that certainly changed the trajectory of her life. And as I read the story, I noticed the emotions and feelings she experienced. First, some fear, then some questioning, and lastly, surrender and worship. This spoke profoundly to me. I felt like God tapped me on the shoulder and invited me to look at my journey, noticing this emotional pattern of fear, questioning, and surrender. The first feeling was fear. Mary was perplexed, troubled. I often feel scared and troubled. For me, I don't know how long it will be on days when I don't feel well, or every month when I wait to get tests back that measure the cancer activity. I try to be positive, but there is some fear, and I hope that the cancer is not progressing. I experience hope amidst the fear in the kindness and expressions of love and care from others. I am thankful treatment is available and gratefully receive all the healing resources from the Lord, my great physician. My next feelings of troubled and questioning, Mary asked, how can this be? I did ask that question along with many others. Why? Why? Why me? Why now? Why this? Why not an easy cancer that's treatable, curable? How did I get this? Did I do something that caused it? How long can I live with this? You heal others but won't heal me? And on and on. But I experience hope in my questioning. I intentionally try to notice a gift or blessing each day, large or small. God doesn't mind my incessant questions, and once I've exhausted them, he is always there with a loving embrace or understanding gesture that, yes, this is hard, and assuring me that he is not going anywhere and will remain by my side. Often we sit in silence as questions linger. His presence is enough, and I can rest secure in that. The last emotion Mary experienced in this encounter was surrender, and it led to joy, to worship. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. Surrender for me comes too, but only after I work through the fear, grief, and the questions. It's been a daily process. As Mary's prayer arose from her soul from a place rooted in deep faith and trust, so I daily have to choose to surrender to the love and presence of God with me in this trial on this path of not my choosing and of waiting. As I surrender, hope says you are not alone. I see you and am with you every moment. With the help, love, encouragement, and support of many people, God has sustained me in this waiting. He's been with me in the valleys and the heights. Even on my worst days, I've been held in love as I've cried buckets of tears many times over these past six and a half years. And even though much has changed and been taken away, God has never left me. I've received treasures in the darkness that he is using to comfort others in a similar waiting. Yes, many things have been taken away, but what has remained has become most important. Emmanuel, God with me. He is with me in the waiting. Never once has he left my side. My hope remains in Jesus, my living hope, and his promises that I've tested and have tested me. I ask God often to show me where he is with me in the present moment. I ask him, what is the gift that you have for me today? He never disappoints. Today, I reflect on Christmas, Jesus' birth, and all the wonder and mystery in the miracle. I can echo the words of Mary, who says, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And I can truly say, it is well with my soul. 
Hope lives here. Love lives here. Emmanuel is here as I continue waiting. Amen. Yeah, we can clap for Sheila, wherever she is. So whether you know Sheila or not, that is a really beautiful testimony and, and powerful and challenging to those of us in, in waiting situations that feel hard. Uh, I'm going to invite Pastor Susan to come up. She is going to continue our evening sharing a little bit about some of her testimony uh, as well as some reflections on who God is in this season. Thank you, Cody. I don't know. I'm kind of with Cody. I feel like the kids did the best message we could have asked for tonight, huh? I'm going to start with John 8:12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Through Advent this year, we've been highlighting the pain and challenges, the darkness and the brokenness of this fallen world. Tonight, we join with other believers to remember, to celebrate, and to acknowledge the birth of Christ. The light has come to this broken world. The world remains broken. We see evil and hardship all around us. But we also see and experience Christ in the midst of the darkness. Like most of you in this room, I've experienced my fair share of hills and valleys. With Advent this year, our focus on the waiting and on the human experience of our broken world, longing for a savior, it's been very meaningful to me this year. You see, I've been in an extended season of hardship and brokenness and stress and upheaval and sleepless nights with rapid and significant change, dozens of things out of my control, loved ones struggling and suffering, and God meeting me and my family in the midst of it. In March of this year, my mother was hospitalized with a serious sepsis infection where she lived in Maryland. And that event began a cascade of change and for my family. After supporting mom in the hospital and then the rehab in Maryland and then at-home support, we made the decision to prepare her home for sale and move mom to PA to be near me. My sister and my children, my niece, my nephew, we all spent a very long summer cleaning out our childhood home. My mom really struggled the second half of her life with many issues, including physical health issues, mental health challenges, and the home was, it was a lot. 46 years, it needed an immense amount of work, cleaning, organization, and updating to get it ready to sell. Summers for us are often a time to recharge and rest a little more than normal, but not this year. This year was exhausting and backbreaking for the whole family all summer long. Midsummer, my oldest son, a college football player in his senior year, experienced a season ending injury. Few of us likely understand the lives of college athletes. I know I didn't until I watched my son the last four years. The amount of work and discipline and grit, the emotional energy that goes into playing Division II football is just otherworldly to me. The emotional pain of losing a season is gut-wrenching. The physical and emotional pain of the injury and the surgery felt unbearable to watch. 
The work on mom's home and her care didn't stop for my son's crisis. Somehow, we needed to weave this additional crisis into regular life, work, mom's health crisis, mom's home preparation, and our spiritual lives. Mom eventually moved to Pennsylvania at the end of October. Day two after her arrival, we landed in the ER. I've since learned some advanced level nursing protocols. On December 7th, mom had a routine procedure that ended in septic shock. More than a week in the ICU, 12 days total in the hospital. While in the hospital, mom's home sold, but before she was moved to rehab, the buyer backed out. So we are still waiting for the home to be sold a second time. And we are waiting for my son's full recovery from surgery and what's next for him. We are waiting for mom to heal and to continue to improve. We are waiting for final decisions on mom's long-term care. We are waiting to figure out what our new normal will look like. We are waiting to find life-giving rhythms and steadiness again. To say this season has been hard feels like an understatement. But I'd also like to share some of Emmanuel, God with us, in the midst of this season. This fallen world filled with broken people promises much difficulty for all of us. But King Jesus was born, and he promises to guide us, to comfort us, to walk with us, to provide light in the midst of difficulty. We live between the cross of Christ and the return of Christ, in the now and the not yet. My older sister was instrumental in praying me into, and my family into the kingdom and in my early discipleship. Relationship with Jesus has radically changed both of us as people and the course of our lives. Without Jesus and the transformation he brought to both of us, my sister and I could never have walked with such easy collaboration and teamwork through mom's care and the clean out and preparation of her home and her transition to PA. The ease of our relationship is a gift from God, a literal gift from God. The impact of Emmanuel is in the beauty and the health of our relationship. Prior to my son's injury, he helped immensely with my mom's home. It was an enormous gift. My daughter was able to help us in significant ways all summer. She was out of school, as was my niece, who works as a school counselor but has more flexibility over the summer. Just when my oldest son became unavailable to help with mom's home, my younger son was suddenly available for some heavy tasks that my sister and I couldn't have done. Had this event and change happened any other time of year, our kids would have been unavailable. I'm not sure what we would have done. So I see God with us in the timing of these struggles. Several friends helped to clean out and paint mom's home. Tools and people and resources seemed to show up just at the right time, over and over again, all summer. I see Emmanuel and the many people he sent and made available for practical support. After arriving in PA, mom's medical needs and care were new and very far outside my skill set. Three dear friends who know Jesus and happen to have medical degrees showed up over and over to answer questions, to train me, to check on mom, and to check on me often. I experienced Emmanuel in their medical ministry. 
In spite of the significant change to my schedule and routines, I've somehow been able to find time for prayer and for worship and time in the presence of Jesus most mornings. I've needed that more than ever in this season, and I experience God with me in the grace to be able to do it each morning. Every pastor in this church has an enormous blessing of a prayer team, a group of people who faithfully pray for the pastor and their family. In this season of life, I've experienced them as literal anchors. I joked sometimes that they were really earning their paychecks in this season. The needs, the updates, the issues, they just kept coming, and they're still coming. Some of these people have been my prayer partners for close to a decade. They feel like family to me, and they've warred in prayer for our family in this season. I've experienced God with me in this group of Jesus-loving, faithful people. I've kept our church staff and the Peace Promise leadership team abreast of the chaos happening. They've been praying and they've been supporting us. Some of them have offered to take some things off my plate to make my load at work just a little lighter. They each offered prayer and support and kindness and lots of grace. I'm a very predictable, reliable member of the teams that I serve on. So it's rare for my life to be filled with such chaos, and it's a real change for all of us. I needed to skip a few meetings, I needed to leave for calls from the hospital in the middle of meetings, and so much more. I'm keenly aware of Emmanuel in the McBick staff and the Peace Promise leaders. My immediate family have had the closest and the clearest view of the chaos in this season. They have shown up at the hospital to sit with me as I waited to find out if mom would survive the septic shock. And at the hospital when my son was having surgery. They've made and delivered meals to mom regularly, never once complaining about the upheaval to their schedules. They've hauled, they've carried, they've washed, they've run errands, whatever was needed. They visited mom and helped to care for my son during his injury and surgery as best they could. And they've prayed and offered every ounce of practical support. We experienced God among us in our home and in our immediate family. I have some dear friends and mentors near and far. They've been very supportive. They've checked in. They've called. They've been available. They've prayed. They've loved. They've dropped gifts off at my front door. I see Emmanuel in the support and care of my mentors and friends in this season. I would say most of all, I've experienced and felt the light and the presence of God in a very, very challenging season of my life. I've experienced him as real and ever-present. The scripture that's been an anchor for me since March is from Psalm 139. I come back to it over and over again. It's not the well, most well-known part of this psalm. This psalm is the one that's known as the fearfully and wonderfully made psalm. You're probably familiar with it. But there's a part right before the fearfully and wonderfully made part in verses 7 through 12, and it reads, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, 
for the darkness is as light to you. I've personally experienced the reality of darkness being light in this season of life. There's really no amount of hardship or chaos, difficulty that God can't show up in. There's no crisis too complex or painful for God's grace, love, and power. Whether directly as spirit or through his disciples, God is in fact with us. Emmanuel has come. Each one of us has the same invitation to that relationship with God, simply by accepting the free gift of salvation through Christ. Tonight we celebrate the birth of our living Savior. Thank you, Susan. I want to invite you to grab your candles, maybe a moment a lot of you have been waiting for. Maybe you came to the service just to play with some fire. This is your moment. Grab your glow sticks. And why don't we, why don't we stand as well? I know we've been sitting for a bit. Feel free to stand up. When I was in college, I worked a summer job at a beach on the New Jersey coast, and I made some friends who were local to that area, and one day we made plans to go see the sunrise. And so I looked up what time the sun would rise, saw that it was 5.30 a.m., and so I said, okay, we'll meet at 5.25, we'll see the sunrise, it'll be great. My friend said, no, I'll see you at 4.45 a.m. I said, 4.45? Only lanes up at that time, right? Um, that's a little early. Turns out it wasn't too early because what my friends wanted for me was not just to see the sunrise, but they wanted me to see what they called first light. First light is that moment like 30, 45 minutes before the sun actually rises when the sun's not up yet, but you start to pick up on the kind of those very first traces of light, kind of the first light of the day, right? It's a cool experience. And as I thought about this candle lighting that we're about to do, I thought that there was some sort of metaphor in there, right? Like, there's a light even before the light of the world or something, but it wasn't really working out, so I kind of just scrapped that idea, and I was like, okay, well, I'll just read that passage from Isaiah that we read around Christmas time. You might be familiar with it. It says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And so I'd read that, I'd talk about how the dawn is here, the sun is risen, Christ is illuminating our world, and these candles symbolize that. But as I did a quick Google search on the word dawn, I learned something that probably most of you already know, but the actual definition of dawn is this. The first appearance of light in the sky before sunrise. Dawn is not the sunrise. Dawn is that first light. And so when Isaiah says that a light has dawned on our darkness, I think he's fully aware of that, that all is not right yet. All is not light yet. And so when we celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating joyfully and happily that the light of the world has come. Jesus has entered into our darkness. This is good news for us but we're also aware that all is not light yet. And this is why I love that we celebrate Christmas with these little candles, because they don't put off much light, right? There's just a little flame. But kind of like that first moment of the day, that first light, while they're not kind of all-encompassing brightness, 
they're beautiful in their own right. And so as we light these candles, I'm going to invite some helpers. Those who are baptized are going to help light candles. Those who came into membership are going to come up and help. As we light these candles, I want us to do so joyfully and cheerfully. I don't want us to shy away from that. But we also do so with a kind of honest hope. Honest that there is still darkness that needs to be illuminated, but hope that this small light that we see today will one day give way to an all-encompassing brightness when Jesus returns to make all things right and to make all things light. So we're going to kind of pass the flame along. I'm going to get it started here and pass it on to some helpers. If you were baptized this year, if you came into membership, we'd love for you to come up and help us pass along the candles. Otherwise, Jen has a lot of work to do. Um, (laughs) But what's going to happen, it's going to kind of work its way down your row. If the person lighting with the flame wants to just hold it upright and the other person turn it in so that we're not turning our flame upside down, that would be great. And as we do that, uh, Hirsch is going to sing us and lead us in some singing. And we're going to watch the room light up.